1: I got sick on my first time I went there.
0: Dude, everybody gets food poisoning in Mexico, oh, I think. comes
2: up shitty. Welcome to Toronto Sport Matters podcast number 55 where we're joined with the usual suspects right in front of me in the studio is Christian Graf, and right beside him is Gregory Urshadis. I'm Brandon Kajoka. Sorry we miss you guys for a couple weeks. Uh, I think Christian was doing work in the States and Greg was in Mexico then I end up in Mexico and we both got sick from food poisoning or something. So anyways I digress. We're back. Uh, obviously the topic at hand, the thing we're going to start this podcast off with is the surging Toronto Raptors, the number one team currently in the NBA sitting at 20 and five with a nice, comfortable, what, three and a half game lead over the Milwaukee Bucks. The team is playing some inspiring basketball. Unfortunately, we lost last night to the Denver Nuggets we're the top. We're the number one team in the NBA. Guys, what are your early impressions? The one big takeaway from the season so far before we get into the actual nuts and bolts of the conversation. Best team in the NBA minus a complete Warriors squad.
0: That's it? That's that's the that's the take.
1: Oh, I got more, but I'm just gonna okay. I'll get it started with that.
0: <laughs> um okay, honestly, like for me, I want to be positive because we're 20 and five. We're we're doing really well, but I think the first quarter of the season for the Raptors was just schedule-wise, like a preseason. It was easy. We don't really get to see anything about the Raptors. For me, it's like a... It was nice that they're 20-5, and but we'll wait and see. Last year, they had a pretty bad record against teams that made the playoffs or teams that were above five hundred, and it kind of showed in the playoffs. I don't know. I, I just... I, I just think the schedule was really easy. It's been very nice for us. Now we get Philly in our next game. We just lost to Denver. Uh like I said, we played the Warriors last week. Like it's starting to get a little bit more difficult now. This is like from now until Christmas is where we're gonna see the true the true test, I think, for the Raptors. But honestly, twenty and five, beating the Warriors. Uh it's hard to to be critical of the first half of the year. Uh especially with some of the injuries. Kawhi Leonard not playing back to backs, like we're Got twenty and five. That's we haven't had to start like that ever.
1: Best team outside the Warriors right now in the NBA. Um, keep in mind they haven't even we haven't really re- really even reached the full potential of what the team's going to be. Right, like this is still like a new coach, new system. Getting Kawhi acclimated. He's still, to me, only going at 90%. He hasn't hit that final gear well, yet.
2: Coming into the season, you know, the biggest narrative was the DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard trade. You know, DeMar DeRozan, very loyal to the Toronto fan base, loyal to the city, a guy that, you know, actively supported playing in, you know, in Canada, north of the border. um but unfortunately, you're seeing the impact or the limitations rather of DeMar DeRozan on this roster and the impact that a guy like Kawhi Leonard can have toward the construct of this organization. We look at other teams in the NBA, you know, look at like Boston Celtics with these flashy stars going to say we the same sort of thing. The, the, the top of the top is always like. We want to have one, two, three. We have three superstars. We have to have two or three superstars that contend. What the Raptors are doing right now is having one proven star and just amazing chemistry and guys who perfectly complement each other on the court. We'll start this conversation off with Kawhi. What is your impression of him coming into, this, coming into the season and has he kind of fulfilled those sort of lofty expectations that you guys had coming in? You know, being a, a perennial MVP contender, you know, in conversation being maybe the third best player in the NBA. Um He's clearly uh, not just a system player, okay? Uh,
1: although I think we need to find a way to systematize his offense a little more because oftentimes I just think Nurse draws up like an ISO play for him, a la Kobe Bryant. I don't know if he's quite that type of player. Um, look, I I knew that he had a lot of these uh, uh, talents and attributes. To me, what's most interesting What's been most impressive about watching Leonard, like, first, is his attitude. He doesn't get rattled. He's extremely focused, okay? He, he He's extremely mindful when he plays. But secondly, he impacts the game in ways that I didn't quite realize until, like, you're watching a game so intric- intricately that, like, you're following every bounce of the ball. The nickname, The Claw, the way that he's able to grasp the ball, like, out of the air and and take possessions, right? It's it's those little things throughout the game that like like the Raptors have never had a monstar. They've never had a player who physically could impose himself on a game in ways that regular humans can't. That's what Kawhi does. That's what separates like the Russell Westbrooks, the Anthony Davis, LeBron. Like He, he
2: ability- makes everyone around him better. Look at Kyle Lowry's season. Look at Serge Ibaka. This is Kyle Lowry's arguably having the greatest season of his career at the age of 33. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree
1: with that. He makes everyone else more confident. There's more attention drawn to him. They puff out their chest more. But I'm saying, just on a play-by-play basis, he makes these plays that a regular basketball player can't make. Like, he's able to secure balls and, like, deflect things. Like, his, his physical presence is, is incredibly impactful.
0: Yeah, I would say again, like uh, to echo your statement, it's the defense that really. Again, if there's a big difference between him and DeMar, because honestly, like, uh, offensively, so far in the first quarter of the season, it almost seems similar. They're mid-range players. They like to take kind of ISO shots. At least what we've seen with Nurse's system so far. They're getting about the same amount of points per game. Um, the threes are, I mean, more for for Kawhi, yeah, and they're he'll, going to drop open. Exactly, he'll hit a three. If he's, open. Exactly. He a three <laughs> he's open DeMar was fifty percent. Right. So it's it's. It's a clear upgrade. I do think he is someone who's right now playing as like a top 10 player in the league and will be a top 5 player in the league by the end of the season because I do believe in the rust. Um, a few observations from Kawhi. He's got handles.
1: Yeah, that. Yeah, me too. I, I was surprised. I
0: honestly had no it's tight. idea. It's so tight. He dribbles the ball so hard off the floor. when Because I guess his hands are so freaking big that he can just pick it back but he dribbles it so hard especially when he when he drives to the right but smooth and it's smooth so that's the first thing I was kind of shocked at yeah, like I, I said he, I didn't know he had that in his game like I said the biggest game for me defensively for him was the game against Philly when he essentially took out Ben Simmons yeah he made Ben he, he essentially made Philadelphia get Jimmy Butler yeah <laughs> if yeah. you think about it in yeah. a way they just said we have no chance against the Raptors if Kawhi mm-hmm. takes Ben Simmons because mm-hmm. then it's four on one everybody else against him beat So uh, I think his defense alone is drawing other teams to change their offensive schemes a little bit. And, and he he is rusty. That's the last thing we saw the ball go off his leg. Um, we've even seen him sort of, like you said, in end game situations where it's a little bit more ISO. I think these plays right now, Nick nurse is drawing up because it is early in the season, just to get Kawhi's confidence back. I don't think when the time matters and the playoffs come that you're going to see these ISO plays from nurse. Keep, Keep in mind, he's an offensive sort of genius. Um, to flip that though, I, I like I love Kawhi's defense, but the Raptors defense as a whole, I think has gone down. I think since Dwayne Casey left, I think it's the one glaring spot in our in our game this year. I mean, like our, team we're, our point, team. we're defense. about a
2: point and a half below our defensive rating from last season.
0: I mean, just from the Warriors game alone, we let them come <laughs> and this is a theme I've seen all year, is letting teams come back. We we usually have a great, you know. Third quarter, we've traditionally had that which because is we had to. Really good, which though, man. yeah, um, Warriors though we had an 18 point lead and we let that slip away, we let it go to overtime, uh, and not to say it's Kawhi's Kawhi's defense on on Kevin Durant is. He had his hands directly yeah. in his face. I don't think Kawhi can do much in that scenario. I don't think anyone can really do much in that scenario against someone like Kawhi or but the game where we were facing uh, Kyrie Irving. And Kyrie Irving went, against, went off against overtime. So I guess the surprise for me on the downside for Kawhi is that he can't literally take a really good score completely out of the game. Like Kawhi, I'm sorry, Durant still got 50 points. Uh, Kyrie got 40 points that game against us. And he was on them for most of the time. It's, no. I think he's still getting there.
1: I think but in the Kyrie game if we had cuz uh Danny Green was out o, like I think OG Ananobi was out uh those are the guys I think that would be better suited cuz he was guarding Tatum when he went off like he was doing that on 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 Delon right? um but but just just, just to finish the point on on Kawhi his real impact is going to be felt I think in the playoffs right like and that's what ultimately is going to decide if he chooses to stay or not. Yeah, this but, is all just an a appetizer for but his... But he's already, course. to yeah. me, watching him play, he's the best basketball player I've ever seen in a Toronto Raptors
2: uniform. All right, moving down the list, another guy who's really made waves this season is Pascal Siakam, currently averaging 15 points per game, six and a half rebounds. Um, I think his skills kind of go beyond the stat line, though. You know, similar with Dana, Draymond Green, especially when it comes to defensive switching, versatility. Uh, What are your guys' thoughts of Pascal Siakam? Are we looking at the third star uh, are we talking, looking at a, a a future all-star? Are we looking at basically Draymond Green in the East or are we getting a little bit ahead of ourselves Could right now? Could be an all-star this year.
0: This year, you think?
2: Well, they this is what they were talking about on the on the telecast. If if
1: the Raptors are clear and and above uh everyone else in in the East, the first place team traditionally gets more than then then we could players. see we could see a
2: Kyle Korver you know in Atlanta a couple years ago making the all-star yeah. team. Right? Yeah, right, well, yeah, right. when they had four yeah. guys in. I think even.
0: there's an there's an advantage in being someone like Siakam in that like you're the surprise player this year. At all other teams for instance, it seems like all other teams players and GMs know about Siakam, but this is the year where their fans are starting to recognize Siakam. Well, he's, he's the
2: modern sp- mold of the ideal big man. The same the same thing as yes. Jaron Jackson Jr. on Memphis. You <laughs> yeah. know, a guy like again, maybe he's not as an efficient shooter as Jaron Jackson, the guy I think Pascal's shooting about 34% with just under two attempts per game, but the defensive switching what gets me. You can put him in any situation in the game, and that guy will thrive. You can play, you can bang on the boards, of the big man in the low no, post. No, I'm not saying like he's like he's a high efficiency. Like, not the of the world, but he, but... but he can handle himself in the low yeah, post is yeah. what I'm trying to get at. And I'm saying in combination with being able to guard the perimeter, that's a pretty an, an enticing skill set to have. Yeah. Greg, I'm not talking about him being able to handle the like, massive big guys like Joel being in the post. But I'm no, saying he's like, competent I enough I to handle still, his shit like, in the low like, post. I still worry.
1: I I still don't think we can play him as a
2: fireman. That's why we have Jonas Valanciunas and Serge Ibaka. I'm just yeah. saying when it yeah. comes to being able to be on the court in all facets or every situation in the yeah. game, he's see? the ideal big man to have. Did you, I mean, you were at the game, Graph. Did you see how he was just cooking Paul Millsap?
0: Yeah, well, he Paul Millsap's too him. slow. Like, right? Like, and it's funny because the Raptors almost made that move to was the big contract. That, right? like, Thank God we didn't, eh? Because he's just like the exact version of like the relic in the league that people are trying to move away from. Brandon, you just baka. mentioned it. He was
1: Ibaka last year. The
0: ideal modern five is like a stretch you can switch and ideally like you know, dominate in the post. Like Jared Jackson Jr. He's the exact opposite of that. He's like a post player, which is weird because in my mind, Jokic is like that too. I think Jamal Murray said it last night after the game. He goes, Jokic can do everything but jump. And it's a <laughs> perfect quote, because honestly, you watched the game last night, and Jokic dominated everyone it's IQ the it's with high the same basketball athleticism IQ. as like a, as a Jonas Valanciunas. It's like
2: Marc Gasol, for example. It you is, know I mean? exactly. not going to blow you out of the gym yep. with athleticism, but he has a very calm demeanor, very intelligent. A good and feel for the game. Yeah, great feel for the game. It's a great way to put it. All right, moving down the list a little bit more. Uh, coming into the season, obviously, Dwayne Casey was dismissed, dismissed as the head coach, currently on the Detroit Piston. Nick Nurse coming in, a lot of speculation as to how the team would thrive under his Leadership, uh, I think the early signs look pretty goddamn good, guys. What do you think? Well, he he just won the the Coach of the Month award, right? Yeah, it, right. It was
0: Mr. funny. Nurse. We were at the game, and they announced like Nick Nurse won Coach of the Month, and you look on the screen, and he's pretending like he's not looking. <laughs> and I went to my friend, I went, "There's either one of two things: he doesn't care, or he cares so much and he's trying not." I also to like, in like he's flatter. <laughs> he's feeling he's ladder.
2: feeling himself a bit more. He's kind well, of flashy, jackets. Yeah. elaborate jackets. He, you guys
1: notice that The Don Cherry of basketball He's right? always yeah. wearing pink. Do you notice this? His uh, ties and his shirts. Every game, mm-hmm. he's wearing pink. Yeah, it's, it's it's he he's got a little peacock struck to him. <laughs> and it, it, it's okay. So I was at the the uh, Detroit game. Okay, one of the most bittersweet kind of losses, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. everyone in the crowd was so upset, and I was just laughing because the the ghost of Dwayne Casey won that game. Man, Dwayne mm-hmm. Casey was up coaching in his defensive stance the whole second half. He, and it's funny cuz Nurse like a six was trying man. To, Yeah, Nurse was trying to act like he was the opposite, the antithesis of that. So He sat the whole game.
0: Dude, he did the same thing last night. Nurse doesn't really sit up like he doesn't really stand up a lot on the sidelines and bark orders at everyone. But the only thing I saw was like when he got really mad at that one foul we were just talking about the the Jonas Valančiūnas where he got the technical. Oh, yeah, he, oh, but yeah. I haven't seen him he's the opposite. You're right. Of, he, of, okay. 20KC. He
1: tries to be like a Steve Kerr. But he—if you watch him—he's quite um, reactionary, and so he's trying to, as Brandon says, like he's trying to be like, like, like the cool cat, yeah. right? And I think he's gonna figure out, like, like that the,
2: Iowa swag. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah right. But like, he, hey, there, there's a there's a lot to like, uh, I think, about his approach as a coach. And you know what? Like, it seems to be look—he's a player's—he's a player's coach, and in the modern era with with with, with a player-driven league. Right, the old like um, leader of men, as Brandon calls it, right, uh, style of coaching. Although effective at, at building a culture of of success, when you're talking about okay, how are we going to get these athletes to to perform in the most like creative way, right? Uh, how are we going to get them to maximize their individual skill sets? Maybe having a, a a guy like Nurse, right, that is thinking a little more progressively, a little more offensively, and he's letting them kind of be themselves out there offensively.
0: Right? My like my quick point on nurse is I think I said it earlier, but I, I think the defense does need to be a little bit more focused on just simply yeah. because our team is gonna score. Like look who we have on our roster. It's it's we're not it's not the same problem Boston has right now, where they don't know how to share the rock because Kyrie Irving basically needs the ball in his hands all the time. For right. us it's a lot of passing, a lot of everything. I, I would like to see the defense and sort of that ending games better sort of but again it's Nick Nurse's first year they play I don't...
1: defense in, in spurts but I'll tell yeah. you when they're like the Raptors have shown this ability this year that we never had which is like oh we're gonna turn it up a notch
0: Well, sometimes and Nick... when they turn it up
1: like yeah. they turn it up
0: Nick Nurse has no problem as well which is the last observation I'll make about him he has no problem switching to his zone defense in the middle of a game I've noticed too that like is, he's done yeah. that a few times I can't remember now. the stat
2: on offense though so, yeah. but I think we're looking at like we're the, f- we're the fourth highest uh, three point attempts but we also run ISO this seventh most in the nba as well which is insane which is a testament to just he's not afraid to make all uh, you know other alterations yep, or changes yep, throughout the context yep. of the game right he's not like one of those nfl coaches mm-hmm. who are just so sort of stuck in their game plan and their interpretation yes. of how a team should be playing he's really able to be versatile and change on the go or change on the fly i, either.
0: I fully agree i mean it's one thing we've seen this year more than any other year is that Ibaka. Two point shot from Love the it. from the from the and you know what it's funny because well, let's I, let's, I let's, let's, let's so get into that right now. Baca, so man.
2: let's get into this right now. There's two guys that I, I briefly want to discuss before we get into just a general NBA talk. Um, Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry are playing out of their goddamn minds. I want to talk about Kyle Lowry first. The guy's averaging 10.3 assists per game, roughly it. F- f- more, four assists more than his career average of six at, what, the age of 33. I think the big thing we're discussing in the offseason is when or if Kyle Lowry will fall off the face of the earth at his age. We typically see point guards sort of regress, you know, their early to mid-30s. Kyle Lowry's really getting better. We kind of mentioned Kawhi Leonard, you know, some of the new guys that came in. Even Nick Nurse maybe is um, elevating his game to, all to this All Star level. But million. but it's 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 incredible to see Kyle just really you know like he gets lost in the shuffle when you talk about the best point guards in the Eastern Conference. And I think he's finally oh, yeah. proving to pundits that he is one of the elite of the elite. And Serge Ibaka as well. You know, he, the Raptors got ripped apart for offering him that twenty three per over four. I think. Oh, and we were
1: ready to trade him for a ham sandwich. Me and yep. me mean graph oh yeah he like, of- had given up but his move to the five has like revitalized but if you can go back to the to, to the lowry piece for a sec dude is my favorite raptor just by even if he's not giving you the offense he's bringing that grit right and he's just such a great leader in terms of setting the tone like he's being the one constant right it's and, funny.
0: I, I never see Lowry up for like defensive anything, third team, fourth team, but he's always number one in charges taken. Like oh yeah. he always averages more than like ten teams mm-hmm. in the first like three mm-hmm. weeks of the, or three months of the year. Like like you just said, it's all about heart. Yeah, he's got the most heart on the team by far. And he's
1: incredibly cerebral. Like, yep. he reads the game. That's why it pisses me off sometimes watching him because he's he beats the game so quickly, he's trying to fool the refs too much.
0: Yeah. Like, I've he's noticed trying that. to,
1: you know what yeah. I mean? And, and it's like, stop trying to get the call. Well, it
0: works sometimes. Well, it works all the time, okay? Yep.
1: Like, or a, a lot of the time. Yeah. But it, it, it just, it's a kind of thing I, 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 I get frustrated with him sometimes because sometimes mm. he's not playing the game. He's playing the game within the game.
0: Look, Brandon was just, as Brandon was talking about Lowry and how much his assist totals have gone up this year, I mouthed it to you. It's because DeMar's gone. Yep. Yeah, like but, but I, but in what my do you mind, think,
1: Graf. What do you think about that, though? Why is it?
0: Because I feel like he, in his mind, if he sees two people open in the past, he's passing to Demar no matter what. Yeah. Even if Demar is more covered than the other person, if it's B- Fred VanVleet DeLon right because now, boy. now if he sees Kawhi and Danny Green, yeah. it's whoever's more open for real. And I think that just gives him the actual chances of uh, our, our team chances of hitting the better shot. Plus, the pick and roll with Ibaka is, in my mind, and yes. don't hate me. Ten times better than the pick and roll with yep. Alan Chunas yep. from last year. Yep. He just seems more athletic. Um yeah.
1: quicker. He's quicker off the off the roll. He and is, he, and, and he's more.
0: And uh, he can catch the ball the better too. Yeah. Like he's better at catching yeah. it. Like Lowry does a lot of those cheeky. I mean, mm-hmm. how many passes have we seen go through guys' legs now, oh, I love or that. behind the back and stuff? Yeah. Like Lowry's starting to get creative with his passes. He's yeah. starting to make it more fun to pass it than to shoot yeah. it. Yeah. And in the past, I think up until this point of his career, he was. I think he saw himself as the scorer. And, or the second score. Now he's say, more of the facilitator. With
1: Kawhi coming, I think it also though quickly created like he then saw, Okay, although I'm the leader of the team, this guy's hands down our best player. It's no longer me and Damar. It's this is right, Kawhi is the man and I'm gonna get him the ball. Like you see him so many times give up his own baskets to make Kawhi happy. Yeah. So all those people that said that, Oh, Larry's gonna come in and pound blah blah no dude is a dog. Dude wants yeah. to win and he recognizes it. So competitive. he recognizes the opportunity.
2: All right, running into the second quarter, guys, we're going to do about a minute each on every team in the NBA. But Before we get to that, there were a little bit of news that came out today. Uh, Markel Fultz allegedly has uh, a nervous a nerve issue. Uh, it's <laughs> allegedly. Called, it's called TOS, outlet Syndrome. Basically, it's a compression of the nerves, arteries, or veins in the passageway from the lower neck to the armpit, whatever. I'm just going to throw this really quickly out here, okay? What, is this third year in the NBA? Coming Second. In this, second. second year, second, second year, second year, okay? So... Multi billion dollar business in the NBA, every team does its due diligence. So Philadelphia 76ers have garnered reputation as having one of the best medical staffs in the NBA. Look at Kawhi Leonard when he went to New York away from San Antonio to work with the Philadelphia medical team. How is this not like discovered during during the
0: draft? Because how? it's fake. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's, it's so
2: obvious. It's, it's it's so obvious. It's it's right there in front of you. They're just trying to find an excuse for Markel right now. It's a confidence issue. I don't want to go into detail about this. I'll give you guys like a minute or so to talk just, about this, but I don't like.
0: My quick point is: look how far Michael Porter Jr. dropped because teams knew he had to have a second back surgery and might be out for one year. Had teams known Markel Fultz would have some shoulder issue or blame it on a shoulder issue for two seasons, he would have been picked in the second round, maybe. Like, maybe. Honestly, he's a guy who played in an average school in Washington. He was just the best player by far. He looked way better than everyone else, and he got clout because of it. Would That's you the take, only reason why.
2: Would you take DeLon Wright on his expiring contract for Markel Fultz in a second right now?
0: I probably would not. No? I would take that. Yeah? I yeah, probably would not. Yeah, by you know. What's the timeline? Because right now it says out indefinitely, which I would assume means until he until he can shoot no, again in the gym.
1: <laughs> there, until he finds a, and, uh, a good psychologist. Yeah,
0: pr- pretty much. Because, I don't know, I think he's honestly mentally broken. Mm-hmm. I don't think... Man, that's the hardest part of a basketball to get over. He's
1: got an anxiety disorder. It's all about
0: confidence. When you're on the floor,
2: confidence, right? He needs to go to a little bit less intense market in Philadelphia, maybe send his ass over to Phoenix and see what happens. But the guy definitely needs a change of scenery. All right, guys, we're going to go break down the NBA. We're not going to go too uh, in detail. I want to give you guys about a minute on each team if that's possible. We're going to start it off with the Atlanta Hawks. Christian, talk about the 5-19 and 19. Atlanta Hawks currently fifth in the Southeast Division.
0: Oh, where to begin? Ooh. Vince Carter. Oh my goodness. Oh, Vince,
2: Vince. by the way, Vince Carter and Ken Bazemore have a new podcast on The Ringer. That, that's oh, really? interesting.
0: I okay, guess. that's we cool. go. The most interesting thing that. about the Hawks right now. Uh, no, I would say Trey Young is more interesting um, and he's the only thing I'm going to talk about with the Hawks because like you just said, their record is not worthy of them really speaking about the team. Nor is his Tra- early season performance really has really been S- shitty. So from- here's <laughs> the thing about Trey Young is that you look at his stats, and you're like, huh, not too bad. He's actually doing fairly well. You watch an an Atlanta Hawks game, and you're like, oh my god, this is like Kobe Bryant, the worst version. Just shooting currently shooting 38% from the field 24% from three a 12.1 player efficiency rating so definitely not putting up uh (laughs) you can tell and it's very noticeable on the floor is I think is true shooting is actually like terrible as well like if you look at the advanced stats on Markel Fultz and I think he was just recently named rookie of the month as well him and Luka Doncic so it just seems like people are forgetting about other rookies in general um, because I really don't, th- I personally don't think he's having a great season, but I still think the potential's there. So just to quickly go back, I think that trade for Luka Doncic, because it's what we've all spoken about. I don't think it's set in stone yet that that either team won until we see what Atlanta gets next year in the draft with that pick. Uh,
2: I'm pretty sure Dallas won that trade, but we'll yeah, a little bit later. Moving down the list, Greg. <laughs> uh, let's talk to Boston Celtics. Currently 13 and 10, third oh. in the Atlantic Division. Oh, nice. uh, big game finally from Gordon Hayward, but I'll let you talk about the team.
0: Yeah, I've
1: been, I've been. I've really been enjoying um, this past month and a half seeing Boston <laughs> struggle. Uh, I told you Hayward; uh, it was going to be an issue coming back. He he looked like a shell of himself. He is starting to find his you his, his rhythm. There's there's too many cooks. I told you there's too many cooks in that kitchen. Those young guns thought that 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 they were going to get theirs, and these and these other guys came back uh, that weren't even performing, weren't giving the defensive effort, and then they want the young guys to come off the bench. It didn't work. Now I think, though, and I I, I hate saying this, I think that they might have found their rhythm because what they've done now is they found a happy medium. They've put Marcus Smart in the starting lineup, which brings back a little bit of that grit, right? brings back a little bit of that grit, and it gets Hayward out of the lineup and gives him some more time to kind of uh, build himself up because he he looked a a step or two slow. Um, in his comeback, look out for the Celtics now. I don't think that they're as bad, obviously as the standing show, but uh, i'm I've been really, really happy to see them struggle out of the gate because again they're they, they such the, the darlings of the NBA and, every, and everybody picked them even though I thought that there were these clear problems that they were going to have
0: I mean, just play zone against them force them to shoot and see what happens
1: uh, yeah I, I mean look they'll, they're they going to have a say in it when will get better, done, obviously but yeah. the fact is now we've guaranteed our home court advantage over them in, in, a, in a playoff series and that's the most important thing from a rapper's perspective
2: alright moving down the list for myself it's Brooklyn Nets currently sitting at 8-17 4th in the Atlantic Division uh the t- it's it's the, the process is still going they get their draft pick this year they're probably going to draft in the top 5 hopefully get a franchise defining guy um, they've just done such a fantastic of nurturing and developing talent, especially later in the first round. You know, we're talking about guys like Karis LeVert, Ronnie Hollis ah, Jefferson, poor guy. um, Karis yeah.
0: LeVert's injury even Jared all. Allen.
2: And, that, and that's a thing right now because Karis, Le- Kar- Karis LeVert is kind of, well, did kind of emerge as the sort of face of For the organization. Sure. You Many called that Many people like D'Angelo Russell. I, I'm the biggest issue of Karis coming in the season is still kind of an issue it's his outside shooting, but he's such an offic- efficient inside scorer. Uh, was doing, what, 18.5, 4.5 rebounds, four assists per game. He looked fantastic. Jared Allen looks like a great rim protector. They have a lot of great pieces already intact. They just need to get that one superstar, that one defining guy that put them over the edge. Um Hypothetical question to throw to you guys. You know, Washington obviously is in turmoil right now. We'll talk about it a little bit later. John Wall's Albatross contract, what, earning $46 million a couple years from now. Very untradeable. If you were the Brooklyn Nets, would you trade D'Angelo Russell for John Wall and, like, let's say two first-round picks unprotected?
0: Honestly, if I'm the, the, the Nets, I'm not giving up any draft picks in any trades. No, no, I'm saying they historical. get to
2: get from the, Wizard, from the Wizards to get out of the John Wall contract of offering D'Angelo Russell. Hold on a second. So I'm You're saying D'Angelo Russell for John Wall, and let's say w- uh, a, a first round, unprotected.
0: Oh my God! Yes, you would do that? Are you kidding? If you were Washington? No, if I was the Nets, I would do that. Really? I would, yeah. be, I would be shocked. I, I, I feel like that I, I feel be like offering me John Wall a first round pick for D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> the contract
2: <laughs> awesome. is a, the untradable contract. Is what I'm. Kind I don't of... think
0: there's any contract that's untradable though. That's the only thing. Like it's not like I know it's hard capped. It's not like baseball in the sense, but like. But. It, I, I don't know. It's not like
1: he's, he's a B level though star that's making big time max money. That's aging, and who clearly can't
0: play with Bradley Beal in the backcourt. Can't play with as anybody. Well, okay. He's a selfish
1: bastard. Put it this <laughs> way:
0: Has he not hit the absolute bottom of his career right now? Like what? Like is gonna go back up? You, you would have to assume in a better scenario with a better team with a not a better. He's team. an ath.
1: He, hold on, but he's a he's an athletic guard that hasn't developed a sustainable outside game. So in that sense his career might, might not go back up.
0: John, no, but okay, but John Wall is easily still I'd say a top 5 point guard in the East. By like f- not even a question. Not even a c- yeah, remote question. Cancer.
1: Like 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 he's just a bad teammate.
0: I think the question
2: you got to ask yourself is that are, are they ever going to win with John Wall or is it better off to rebuild, get some f- salary cap flexibility by bringing a guy like DeAndre Russell even though I have to fork over No, it. they're never going to win with John Wall. All right, moving <laughs> Moving down the list, Christian Graffin. You have the eleven and twelve Charlotte Hornets, who are surprisingly first in the Southeast Division.
0: Yeah, you speak about the Nets and like looking for that one superstar, and like, hey, Kemba, he's now emerges the point guard of the East. Twenty six point
2: (laughs) five points per game, crushing it. Right, he had those
0: those two back to back games where he got like ninety six points in them and everything. He's doing great, and honestly, like if he can keep that, you know. Level of play, sort of up? Those players around him, like the. what the player? World.
2: What players around him? Does it, the the second and third Jeremy lean score on the team are Jeremy Land and Malik Monk. You no, know, what they. I,
1: mean? he need, uh, I think Beal should go to Charlotte, if they can swing that. It's 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 t- Malik Monk and and some picks, get Bradley Beal. They've just
2: offered so many terrible contracts, Christian, just for no reason to like Zeller and Gilchrist and Marvin Williams and just. Uh,
0: I agree. No, I mean it's it's one of those things where honestly, <laughs> you get to, you start to think about Charlotte and you think, is it worth it for them to right now trade Kemba Walker when he's at the highest point of his value, get back draft picks and actually rebuild properly? Tank for Zion. Honestly, man. like they, like you said about Washington, RJ. I don't believe that that. Charlotte has any better chance of winning in the next 10 years? Like they're not a core that's that's good at all. Why not trade Kemba when he's at the peak of his career right now, get back assets that you can build around and kind of rebuild just just throw in the the towel. And I I don't you know me; I'm the person's like blow it up. I honestly think this might be a situation where it totally, actually, realistically makes sense for the team to do. Yeah,
1: that. and let Kemba go go make the playoffs somewhere.
0: All
2: right, moving down the list, Greg. You got the Chicago Bulls, currently sitting five and 5th in Central Division. They just fired I Fred Hoiberg. No, I have no the, idea de, what's going on. The, the, the defensive tacticians called the Chicago Bulls. You
1: got Zach Levine, Jabari Parker. Can we skip Clear- this team? This is like the most like irrelevant franchise right
2: now. I hate their front office. It's crazy. I'll look at one thing quickly. Just Zach Levine is just a complete cancer to have out there. <laughs> like, his, his, like no, pays no heed whatsoever. to Defensive responsibility and just yeah. jacks up the dumbest fucking shots imaginable. Well, was the other night when they were down by what? Down by one, I think, three seconds left on the shot clock, and he just jacks the dumbest three point shot imaginable. Like, it's so frustrating to watch this team play. Who else would shoot it?
1: I, I don't understand how, any, I don't understand any, how anyone. <laughs> he okay. is the Fred, anyone, yo, though. Fred Hoiberg? Give it to he he got Antonio Blake. Okay? You yeah, he got he did. such a raw deal. You bring him in to, to play a new modern style of basketball with a team that Tom Thibodeau built, okay? Then you trade off all those guys and say, okay, now we're going to, like, remodel the way that, that we're playing. Um, Then you wait, uh, what is it, 20 games into a season where you didn't even have your full roster because dudes are injured and you fire him during the rebuild. And like... it's absolute I don't know what's going on with that franchise it, it's be smooching the, the uh, good name of Phil Jackson Michael Jordan Scotty Pippen I
0: don't understand how a head office can have the nerve to fire a head coach when they gave Jabari Parker all that money this offseason yeah. to be the centerpiece and I, I, I'll bet look at his numbers it's like 17 and, and yeah, 8 best young but he can't is, shoot like he's not a he, modern day he player. verbally
2: stated that I will not play defense what yeah. expectations do they have out of this team or Fred Hoiberg especially it, it I don't him, understand how the guy lost his job I agree was injured and, and, and injured. injuries Fired. Have really riddled them in general. No, Chris Dunn,
0: Wendell Carter. Like, like,
2: this isn't like a Hugh Jackson situation in Cleveland. You know what I mean? This is a guy who oh, has never been given his fair shot. Alright, moving down the list, I got, unfortunately, myself, a Cleveland Cavaliers, currently sitting 5-18, 4th in the Central Division. Uh, Sam Decker looks like he has a lot of steals. That's like the only <laughs> fucking silver lining I can throw in here. Um, Kevin Love's been injured for the entire season. Apparently, Jordan Clarkson is their go-to score right now. Uh, I'm going
0: to take a strong pass on this one, guys. I don't what really have anything else. What do you think the value f- in the market value for, Ke- for Kevin Love is uh, right Jack
1: now. Armstrong brought that up in, in the broadcast the other night. He kind of hi- uh. uh, uh no Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Remember last year when we sat with him and he said before the trade deadline the Raptors should look into some veteran shooting and he was fucking right because we really could have used some of that and not Kevin, a Kevin Loves contract nor I mean, what he's going to add to you that. Know, yeah. I'm just saying though there's teams out there that
2: are eyeing a piece because like, he can make a difference. What's he making Kevin
0: Love? out of curiosity? I know? think
2: he's making about 28 29 million dollars a year right now. I, I, My only thing is like I don't think anyone's going to offer more than maybe like a, mid-level, a mid-round first or something like I, I can't see them getting like a really massive package but if we were to
0: give up like i don't know let's just say let's for hypothetically mainly, mainly to match money like a powell and Valanciunas. A cj miles and because that would be about money yeah. matching would you not do that yeah, i would i would take the chance for I sure would. after watching valentinus honestly valentinus is the worst version of a now is what he's sort of turned into the slower less athletic he, he has, trouble
1: has trouble coming off the bench he has trouble coming off the bench that's it takes an issue a little while for him to get warmed up because he's a big dude then go
0: out there early and warm up yeah
1: he's got it like but...
0: honestly on, you want to know hey, something last night i saw is still good this year though i have a picture of it in my phone too. The first person out of halftime Jokic, he's on the floor taking free throws for three whole minutes before any other player came on the floor from either team. You've just three whole the minutes. Man, crushed now on Jokic. Eh? Man, Jokic is he's great. All right, moving Joker. down the list,
2: Christian Graffin, You have the surprising eleven and ten Dallas Mavericks, currently sitting second in Southwest Lovely. Division. One small thing I'm gonna have to throw to you right before we begin the Dallas Mavericks. Can we just come to the conclusion that Luka Doncic is a better prospect than Marvin Bagley? Admit it. Admit it.
0: Yeah, well, right now he's – I mean, he looks unreal right now. He looks great. And he looks like I a real if, deal. I was like – like, Again, like just to put my point, he can't play defense. I'm sorry, but I mean, he, he can't really play that great defense. So and i, I, that, I that's the, oh, that was my main point before the season, my main worry, I should say. But like his handle part of his – his offensive part of the game, I didn't think he'd be able to handle by – someone. like he'd be able to break someone, but I don't think he'd be able to get by them. I when guess. I look at this draft – I was completely wrong. As soon as he – Doesn't handle on someone, he gets right by them and gets the hoop and can score really, really, really hard shots easily. I I gonna yeah, I'm he gonna give myself crazy part of game. I'm gonna give my. So uh, easy. Yeah. I'm
2: gonna give myself a little bit of credit right here. The two guys that I was most hyped about coming into the draft last year, Jaren Jackson Jr. Luka Doncic, look like the two by far the two best guys coming of this draft. Throwing it out there, anyways. Grafman, what do you got? Luka's currently averaging 18.5 points per game, 6.5 rebounds, 4.3 assists. The last player to average those numbers, based on their age, were Larry Bird and Michael Jordan. I
0: I think at the beginning of the year, I said that the the Mavericks. I said the Mavericks could be sneaky good. Like they have a like again, they're starting five.
1: Jordan's played good for them. It's
0: great, man. DeAndre Jordan's one of the most under. What do you want more in a big man than someone who just eats rebounds and and dunks it? Like after seeing Valanciunas last night tip the ball around the freaking hoop when yeah, all you have to do is dunk it, dunk, dunk it! it. Yeah. Dunk it. I was like saying
1: the same thing. I oh my! At the d- yeah, dunk God! i
0: you're never if you have DeAndre Jordan on your team, you're yeah. never yelling that at your television. Yeah, yeah. So I love that Harrison Barnes is actually surprisingly like taken almost a backseat to Luka Doncic because they're very similar in the way they play. Mm -hmm. They're both like small forwards. But again, I feel like Luka Doncic has helped Harrison Barnes because there's not so much attention on him. Um, Dennis Smith Jr., same thing. He hasn't had to really... Last year, it seemed like Dennis Smith Jr. had to score 26 points for them to win. This year, it's not that case at all. You rarely hear about him really having to score in yeah. bunches. The I think biggest I think change
2: for Dennis Smith Jr., and I think it's like one of the most low-key things, is the emergence of him as a three-point shooter. The guy is currently averaging 36% on four attempts per game. We talked right. about him last year. His biggest liability was shooting, and the guy has transferred himself from a liability to maybe even asset as a shooter at the it's point guard like da- position. It's like right? Fox.
0: It's like Darren Fox. Exactly. We'll get it's to that a little bit later thing. as well. Right? And just my last point about them, uh, and I think it's a point to make because you got to respect big men that can really turn their free throw percentage around Deandre Jordan has career been like a 50 point yeah, free throw shooter that. this year, this summer, apparently he spent the entire summer reworking his free throw form and everything. He's shooting like 78% right and now it's a story from free throw. for
1: all those guys that couldn't, that say that they couldn't change it. They couldn't that, change it.
2: Yeah.
0: And you know what? Like you look bolts. back you exactly 76%. Nice. That is unbelievable. And yeah. all the credit goes to Deandre yeah. Jordan for doing that because yeah. in the past two years ago, Two years ago, the strategy was to hack Jordan. DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. Hack a Jordan. Yeah. Now you couldn't do that. So all the credit to him. That's yep. the last thing I'll say about Dallas. They look great. I like them.
2: All right, moving down the list, uh, the team we lost to last night, unfortunately, uh, the Denver Nuggets, currently sitting 16-7, uh, first in the Northwest Division. Guys, I've been Conference. I've been hyping up Jamal Murray for a while, but I think he's kind of reached that level where I think he could – we'll talk about FIBA basketball a little bit later, but you know, be the face of Canada basketball, because clearly Andrew Wiggins isn't filling those <laughs> shoes. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, what can you say, right? Love the offensive flow. I like their coach. Um, team first basketball, fun to watch.
0: They're doing Yo- good. Jokic is amazing. Seeing yeah. him live, it's he's like a, he's he's a real talent. He's a, he's a treat. Yeah. He's a and definition of a crafty basketball player. Yeah, well, his pass because a lot of the time, like it's easy to make that like big pass when you're watching a big man yeah. because you can see everything, but he seems to have eyes in the back of his head where when someone cuts yeah. behind him, he remembers he's cut there and will do a fake and then pass it. He like, reminds
1: me of Vita Sabonis, man. Yeah,
0: honestly, he, he really does in a way. So, yeah. no, the Nuggets look scary good. you They've always been your team, Brandon. Do you think they'll be able to sustain this?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think w- what I really has has and is defining this team right now is very similar to what the Raptors are doing. It's, it's offensive and defensive versatility. It's having a deep bench. It's like what the Clippers are doing right now. It's having, you know, maybe not that ideal superstar, but maybe eight to ten guys that can play in the majority of situations in any given game. And that's what teams need to have right now. They need to have extra legs in the bench. Same thing with the Raptors, like I just mentioned, the Clippers. All right, moving down the list, Detroit Pistons, surprisingly sitting at 13-8, and second in the Central Division. Um, I'm not going to be a homer, but I'm just going to say this. Dwayne Casey, in my opinion, in my opinion, (laughs) That that's five additional wins for this team. That just single handedly yep. Dwayne Casey. You look at this team, it's essentially the same roster as last year under Stan Ben Gundy. Blake Griffin Andre Drummond clogging the lane. Reggie Jackson never really developed into a stable point guard, but obviously Dwayne Casey's getting the best of these guys. The biggest problem with them in the past has been their inability to draft. You look at Luke Kennard being drafted over Don Mitchell. Henry Ellinson has a turn into shit. Uh, you know, I like the guys they drafted in the second round, specifically Kyrie Thomas, but you know, these are guys with still Stanley Johnson, Reggie Bullock, Ish Smith, Langston Galloway as complementary pieces. And Casey somehow managed to make this team a borderline contender in the Eastern Conference. I think it's purely in a testament to Dwayne Casey, maybe the evolution of Blake Griffin as a point forward kind of player, averaging five assists per game. But it, this is Dwayne Casey's doing.
1: Yeah, both I think Blake and, uh, and, and him, uh, that being Casey. They've got a chip on their shoulder, and I think Detroit's actually a good place for them to, uh, to, to, to work at that together.
0: And look at this. Detroit Pistons right now have the th- sixth in the league most three-point attempts per game, which is something you wouldn't associate usually with a Casey type of offense. It oh, shouldn't
1: be that much, though. I
0: think, and again, remember, just to quickly go back to the Casey and, and playing in Toronto point, he men- remember he mentioned like seeing a lot of things I saw last year from myself. Yeah. He mentioned that like about the Raptors' offense. I think in his mind, it wasn't Nick Nurse that was the master of the offense. He was a big part of it, too. And mm-hmm. I think he's really trying to establish that with Detroit. Because Blake Griffin has gone off. Like yeah. Blake Griffin, is, he's never had a really good power forward. He never yeah. had that in Toronto. Yeah. So I think he's really starting to use this, this I mentioned this in the last podcast, this two-big-man strategy. It's something that's actually good. Like they beat yeah. the Warriors the other night. Yeah. It seems to be good against the good perf- teams. It's the,
1: and it's the perfect thing for Casey. Perfect perfect team for Casey to go. It with. is.
0: If that's if that team wasn't situated in the city of Detroit, Casey would be in the best case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but yeah. A little play on words. <laughs> <laughs> when Casey wasn't
2: generally adrenaline- Okay, uh <laughs> Golden State Warriors currently sitting 16-9 second in the Pacific Division. Christian Graffin, what are your thoughts on the 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 champs, the goats. The juggernaut. So, so
0: so many thoughts. I mean I guess the easy one right now is to go looking at this recent I guess losing streak they had before, before they got Steph Curry back. It seems to show quite a bit. Obviously Steph Curry and Draymond Green haven't been on the court, but this whole next year is all about Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant and if they were to leave and blah mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. Right now, without Durant or sorry, without Curry on the floor, without Green on the floor, without Boogie on the floor they're getting a glimpse of what it would be like if they were to run a team. Yeah. And it's not that great. No. Kevin Durant's forced to get 50 points a night. Klay Thompson's forced to play get 30 a night. They're both sh- getting 40 minutes. And if you go down the roster, like that's what the a team bear, would kind yeah, of look bear. like. Yeah. If they were to get max contracts, the max contracts that yeah. Kevin Durant seems to want to deserve. I think the inner fighting is kind of real. Yeah. But at the same time, I think none of this will matter when the playoffs come because it's going to be Boogie coming back around Christmas. By the time the All-Star break rolls around, they'll probably be back in first in the West. By the time they get, barring an injury, of course, to the playoffs, I don't even think this this whole episode will be a thing at all between Draymond and, and Durant. I think they're going to keep rolling. They're a really, really, really scary team that they could take us to overtime, come back from 18 points, missing arguably the MVP of the league. Yeah.
1: You're right that the future looms present for that team. I think like it next year is playing a role in the emotional life of the team, and hopefully it can destroy them.
2: All right, moving down the list, talking about hopefully. another uh, perennial hopefully. contender that Are is struggling though? this season. The Houston Rockets currently sitting 11 and 12 in the Southwest Division. Greg, what are your impressions of the team in the first quarter of the 2018 season?
1: Well, I'm just shocked that the mellow thing didn't work out. You know? Wow! Know. <laughs>
2: Did you see the, uh, the the tape of him in, in the gym a couple days ago? Like no. he looked incredible, by the way. But again, he, 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 it's in a fucking. Who was gym. he playing against? Like you himself. Know? Oh, okay. So <laughs> of course, he looked incredible.
1: Um, I'd like to think that 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 he can still find uh, that this isn't the end. I think that there is still a situation that works for him, but he has to accept a far lesser role. Yeah,
2: like Tel Aviv in Israel or Barcelona.
0: (laughs) The Atlanta Hawks. Like if Vince Carter retires, he can always... Shit, he can
2: go to China. China, man. Stephon Marbury got his own shoe playing in China. Carmelo Anthony's commercial appeal out there, man. Shit, that guy would be the man.
1: Yeah. Um, look at fucking Jimmer Fredette. He's averaging like 60 points know. per game. <laughs> Yo, know, the Rockets should look into signing him because they need some help. No, I think that they'll end up getting Trevor Ariza back, actually.
0: See, I, my first impression on the Rockets is like, I bet you they're regretting all well, they the Well, uh, they haven't spent their... Because they're Luke Ma they they're Trevor Arizas, their length and their ability to switch on defense. That's the only reason they had a chance against Golden State last year mm-hmm. is because they switched so much yeah. on defense against them yeah. and Golden State literally couldn't get by that. Mm-hmm. Now, it's easy to exploit matchups. Yeah, It's... I don't know. They don't look.
2: I think from a shooting standpoint, James Ennis has been playing pretty fantastic. But again, he's a defensive liability in comparison to the guys we just mentioned Trevor Rees and Luke, Luke, Luke Mute. I'm never going to get that fucking name right. And and uh, PJ Tucker is PJ Tucker, but you can only expect so much from him on every given night. So and over, the guy's playing like 35
1: minutes. And they've per had game. injuries. Like Paul and ha- Harden have Like They're still one of the elite teams mm. in, the, in the league.
0: Okay, so over under, what would you take? Finishing third in the West. Higher or better or worse?
2: Oh, uh, better for sure.
1: I don't know. They 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 have a lot of ground to make up. I, I think the they're what
0: in 13th, 14th? But they don't.
1: I think that they're so good that <laughs> that, that they don't need home the home court necessarily. Ah, they're not Golden splash. State. But you know in the playoffs, when the ball is in Chris Paul's hands and James Harden, like the are still. It's still like the best backcourt in the league. I,
0: in my mind, they better figure something out. Put some sort of a win streak together. They can't yeah, no, limp no, no, no. They through they the whole regular, regular season.
1: No, I think they they still got to make a move, and they will.
2: I'm going to talk briefly about the 13 and 10. Indiana Pacers currently third in the Central Division. Um, it's 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 tough because the Eastern Conference is so stacked in comparison to last year. I think Indiana Pacers are a very sexy choice to. Potentially make some noise in the East, but you're you're talking about current contenders like the Raptors, the Bucks, the 76ers, uh, You know, even emerging teams in the East as well. We're talking. We just talked about the Pistons, Celtics. You know, are on the come up as well. Um, it's it's gonna it's gonna be tough for them, but I, I do like their roster. I do like their team. They do have a legitimate superstar in Victor Oladipo. Last season was not an aberration. He's it a is star. the truth. He's a star. Um, he's in the conversation for All NBA top shooting guard in the NBA. Uh, Bojan Bogdanovich has been a good. Con- Complementary piece. A guy that I want to talk, to, two guys want to talk about specifically though, is the emergence of Demonis Sabonis and the regression of Miles Turner. Because before mm-hmm. Oladipo mm-hmm. came in last season, many people were predicting Miles Turner to be the face uh, of this organization. The, the offense would go through Miles Turner. If anything, he got worse throughout the last couple seasons. I think that last season he wanted to put a lot of muscle. Clearly, not working for him. But the throw-in in the Paul George trade, Demondus Sabonis is clearly the big man in this team, averaging 14.5 points per game, going with 10 rebounds. Um, they could like looking back at that trade, like Pacers clearly, clearly, clearly won that trade. Kevin Pritchard had a pretty good uh, head in his shoulders. I know he's getting criticized for yep. trading Paul George yep. for Sabonis and Victor Oladipo, but shit, think, this team is working out. I think uh, it worked out for both teams. No, I don't but. know, I don't know because I don't think yeah, this team, one I, team. I don't think the, the Thunder are pa- one win outside of first. I don't think the Pacers will be even in conversation for the playoffs if they had Paul George. I think Victor Oladipo yeah. is a better player overall No, no, but than I mean,
1: Paul. it's worked out like like. Oladipo and Sabonis. I don't know if they would have developed the same way if they were still on the like. It's worked out for both teams. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm saying, right?
2: Well, it had to work out because Victor Oladipo and Russell Westbrook couldn't coexist in yeah. the backcourt. Yeah, fair enough. Paul George is fine, is relegated yeah. to that secondary role. Um, yeah, like it's 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 a team. It's a playoff team. It's a fourth, fifth team. Um, that's about it, Greg. We're gonna uh, we're gonna have to leave, Greg, relatively soon. He's got to go and do hot yoga, or the fuck you do. I have to coach the children. Uh, explain that in detail because it's kind of a very, uh, coach of children. Uh, I like to leave it ambiguous like that. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll give creepy. you creepy. We'll give you the LA Lakers, Greg, before you go.
1: Oh, that's been fun to watch. Hasn't it?
2: Yeah, That's they been look been pretty fantastic. To like LA Lakers currently 14-9, third in the Pacific Division.
1: I, I think it's hilarious that LeBron has basically now just, like, this whole, whole plan that they had to, like, let these younger guys be the, or, you know, have these ball handlers like Rondo and Ball that, are, and then he's going to play off the ball, okay? They started to do that. It wasn't working. Obviously, it wasn't working because there's no, like, LeBron doesn't play off the ball, right? And he he's not a catch-and-shoot player. And then now, you've seen LeBron just be like, it, I'm taking over. He's ignoring the play calls from from Luke Walton, and he's got the team playing. Now the issue is, like, is that sustainable in the playoffs against good teams without shooting? I don't think so. But like, yeah, man, LeBron's balling out in LA. They're, yeah, I, I think they're exactly where where everyone thought that they were going to be. Some people w- way overhyped them. I don't think that they're going to make any noise in the in the playoffs. Like, I think that they'll maybe win one series.
0: Yeah, they maybe. could win, they could win around against like a Portland maybe. or a Jazz or something maybe maybe yeah,
1: but but uh, i mean otherwise like they are i mean Ingram ball like they're just i think that though i think those guys are nice trade
2: pieces the bigger question we need to ask ourselves right now is like will we should we still take Brett and Ingram for Kawhi Leonard at this point in the season <laughs> <laughs> fuck that noise all right greg you are out graffin and i are going to continue this breakdown um la clippers up next buddy let's talk some clippers basketball currently sitting 16 and 7 first in the Pacific division talking about one of the most surprising teams in the nba uh tobias harris is a god christian can you go into the clippers for me buddy
0: yeah well how does a team without any clear star do this well i mean you even look at their stats and like their starters aren't even the ones who lead the team, really. Like, Lou Williams and Montrez Harold don't start yet. They're third and fourth in the team in scoring. Mm-hmm. And if you start to look at, like, sort of the advanced, I guess, stats, you start to sort of see why. They're just spreading the ball around so much. And Tobias Harris and Gallinari... Are shooting three pointers out of their mind uh, right now. Tobias Harris shooting four point seven per game at forty two percent. Gallinari shooting forty six percent at five point three a game. So just from that alone, you can see sort of the offensive efficiency. I guess for me, the surprising part is the, the defense. Montrezl Harrell has been sort of a beast. I was mentioning. Remember,
2: I was mentioning at the Greg though. You know, as a replacement for DeAndre he's Jordan, good. he's like he, he's a perfect rim runner in the modern age.
0: Honestly, the way I'm sure Runs other court teams well. are yeah. looking at Siakam now and being like, "Oh man, this guy's good." Where'd he come from? He's a little that's, bit more of an
2: aggressive version. That's of like me
0: like with Montrez Harrell. It's sort of the, the realization there. And then look at the the team stats. Like They're fourth in the league right now in three-point percentage. Mm-hmm. In the modern-day NBA, if you shoot 38% from three as a team, you will be good. So, I, I mean, I guess I'm just surprised at the level of success they've had, even in their record. Um, because I, I, I personally don't think they'll be able to sustain this. I don't know what your thoughts are. I'm kind of happy watching them, though. I, I think, think it's, they're absolutely. Nice. I, I
2: think they can sustain this. I, I, Again, like, it's just the different looks they have. You know, either it'd be Shea Gildas Alexander, a point, or Patrick been, Beverly.
0: I think better than most rookies you, this year.
2: Exactly. You got Avery Bradley as a lockdown defender. You got Lou Williams as the offensive closer. You got so many guys, like, even Tobias Harris and Gallinari in certain situations can play center and power forward, respectively. They just have guys who fit the modern age of basketball, modern needs. Uh, it's 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 a great team, great constructed team, and I guess Doc Rivers has done a relatively decent job of uh, coaching this team this season. I know I I I've been shitting on a lot. I but. know
0: I'm not a big Doc Rivers fan, but if you look at their like again, if you look at their roster, they've got like a perfect offensive unit with like people like Lou Williams, Tobias Harris, Gallinari that can score points if they need it, and then to flip that. When they're up, they can easily put out their Avery Bad, Bradley, pa- Patrick Beverly, you know, unit out their mantras, Harold, and shut another team down. So I think they're just going with the ebbs and flows of game. Dr. Rivers has done a good job of that, of making sure the right lineups out there at the right time. Mm-hmm. And like I just mentioned, she killed just Alexandra. This guy is for real. I would rather have him on my team right now than even Trey Young. And I'm a I'm a. Pretend Trey Young. Well, fan. you and like when, <laughs> when you and I were
2: doing our uh sort of like mock projections for the upcoming season, we both were kind of on Shea Gildas Alexander as being the best point guard in the draft, right? For sure. Um, He's proven, proven exactly. it. Exactly. You talk about basically uh what Sean Livingston could have been, what he John Livingston could have been if he didn't have that catastrophic knee injury. All right, moving You're down right. the yeah. list. 13 and 9, first in the Southwest division, the Memphis Grizzlies, a team a lot of uh, pundits written off, writ off. Uh, Marcus, Sall regressed last season, obviously had that big conflict with David Fisdale to start the season. You're also talking about Mike Conley coming up back from a pretty uh, severe knee injury as well. Uh, a lot of unproven players, uh, not, not a lot of death. They did bring Kyle Anderson, but they're also talking about the team that still plays uh, Chandler Parsons. Um, got the fourth overall pick. Drafted Jaron Jackson Jr. and this team looks absolutely fantastic. It's another team that I think can still keep us up. They may regress, but they are a playoff team in, in my eyes at least. Uh, Mike Conley is playing probably the best basketball of his career, averaging 21 points per game, 6.6 6 assists. Dreadlock. Marcus, Conley. Mar- Marcus All is playing some incredible defensive basketball as well. Yeah, Jaren Jackson, player of the year right now. I mean. Exactly. Jaron Jackson Jr. just looks like the perfect complementary guy to have beside Marcus on the front. Court a uh, little, little, little too many fouls per forty eight, but he's getting there. He is a young or second youngest guy in the NBA. Uh, Garrett Temple's been pretty stable the shooting guard position. They have been getting a little bit a good, good depth from guys like Shelvin Mack, Marshawn Brooks, even Dylan Brooks for that matter. But it starts with Marcus All, Mike Conley. Those guys look healthy again. Mike Conley may even make his first All Star team this season. Who knows? I like the Grizzlies. I think they can keep this up.
0: I think they can, too. I mean, the Grizzlies last year, I think, was just a bit, a bit of an abomination. Like, they had, like, again, Mike Conley was gone for the full season. It seemed like Marcus Gasol was sort of left to dry. They They, like, hung to dry, sorry, out there all by himself. I remember last year, we were talking about, like, well, Vince Carter was on the team. Like they had. Uh, I think one of the Harrison brothers was your primary point guard. Yeah, like you like can't. It, just, it was really bad last year. And I think that made people sort of forget how good the Grizzlies were before that. Mm-hmm. Because look, it's been six years, but Marcus Saul has won a Defensive Player of the Year. And in that time, the Grizzlies were one of the most feared teams in the league when they had Zach Randolph, Marcus Saul, like that backcourt alone. If you put Jared Jackson to replace sort of that Zach Randolph role, it's like a much, much, much better Green. <laughs> defensive player. And a competent offensive player, but Mm. a way, way, way positive on the defense. And that's hard for teams to to beat right now. It's just that defense alone. So, I don't know. You're right. I think people forgot, including myself, honestly, how good Memphis can be as a team. Because they... Before last year, they were a team that were like almost a lock for the playoffs. Every year, Mike Conley got a humongous contract based on how good they were. And then had one season where he was off. He grew dreadlocks. You remember that, though? Came we were... back and got superpowers and now is killing we were it. like, We're like, Mike Conley, $30 million
2: a year. and looking... Most overplayed
0: player. That's what we were saying. And
2: looking back at that, though, that's not that bad of a contract. Realistically, considering Kyle Lowry's making $32, $33 million a season. Yes, right? the
0: cap has gone up. I mean, put it this way. If he had a good year last year and they made the playoffs and got bounced in the first round, mm-hmm. we'd be like, oh, same old Memphis. This year, I think they actually might do a little bit better than that. I think they actually could go further than the first round of the playoffs. It depends. It, being healthy for them is going to be key because Jerry Jackson Jr. is huge, and I can see Marcus soul being someone who they really got to protect throughout the regular season. I can see this team going really hard in the regular season to make a high playoffs or to make the home field uh, advantage and then slowly sort of fizzle out. They, they've got to keep it going, but they've been great the first half of
2: the year. All right, moving down the list, Grafton, you got the Miami Heat. Currently 9-13, third in the Southeast Division. Typical Miami Heat season. you got seven guys averaging over 10 points per game. I guess Josh Richardson has emerged as the face of the organization. What are your thoughts on this team? Uh,
0: honestly, I won't spend too much time on the Heat. I thought they are going to be a lot better than they were, just based on last year and that whole grit-grind uh, you know, mentality of the Miami Heat in general. I also think they probably should have made a move for Jimmy Butler. I feel like he would have been the perfect fit in that system. Um like, Dwayne Wade's still scoring a bunch of points there. Like, they're right now a team that's almost like on the same thing that, on the same sort of path that the Lakers were on in Kobe's last year for Dwayne Wade. Like, I don't know. Like, they should be better than they are. Um, Seven and 13, I think, is what they are right now. Like, it's not a great, it's not, it's not a great, I, I don't know what's exactly wrong with the Miami Heat. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen enough games of them to actually pinpoint what's wrong. But in my mind, that move or the move to not get someone like Jimmy Butler.
2: Great coaching uh, kind of just
0: sort of put the whole year as like a down year.
2: Great coaching can only take you so far. That's that, that's my impression of his team. Eric Spoelstra's you know got max effort from guys like James Johnson, Dion Waiters, even Tyler Johnson in the past, and I think this is Druggish. that one season where realistically his lack of talent on his roster is going to impact the team's overall performance and ability to make the playoffs.
0: I mean, they still have Whiteside, Drogic. Like... But we
2: saw Whiteside's limitations in last year's playoffs. We look at Goran Dragic. He's not as elite point guard as he was before. The fact that Richardson's leading the team in points is a testament to the fact that they just don't truly have a go-to guy on a basis. And then we just talked about the Clippers without really... Butler. Well, I know Clip... like, about the Clippers really not having that closer, but at least they have a, a specialist in Lou Williams who can have the ball in his hands in the last 20 seconds of the game. I don't really see that guy in Miami.
0: I guess the only last thing I'll say about the heat is i can actually see them doing the same thing they did i think it was two seasons ago when they like did the reverse record for half the season they like won half the games in the first half of the season and then the second half of the season they won the other half the don't see that something. happening
2: with the depth of the so, eastern conference and speaking of depth of the eastern conference the next team up to bat is the milwaukee bucks currently first in the central division of 15 and 7 um Giannis is obviously an MVP contender, and that's the, probably the big narrative discussion. I wish Greg was here so we can eat his fucking words, by Mike Budenholzer. He, he
0: admitted on the way out. He did said he? he? Did he? he did. did he? he did. Okay, okay. But there this we is go. the first time he has, so it took a whole quarter of a season to admit it, but I think he's <laughs> ki- kind of realizing Mike Budenholzer would have been good on the Raptors. Possibly.
2: Oh, no shit. And Jason, I think it's more of a testament to how terrible of a coach Jason Kidd is, or limitations, rather, if Jason Kidd is a head coach. Chris Middleton's playing some fantastic basketball. Eric Bledsoe looks like he's finally gelled into the construct of the roster. He kind of looked like a, a fish out of water last season. I think that's a fair assessment to say. Malcolm Brogdon's been uh, a good sh- shooting guard like the the Bledsoe Brogdon front court. You got Milton and Giannis and it's forward and, and Brooke Lopez is look moderately competent, especially as a three point shooter. I know we had that like what two for yeah. thirteen game a couple uh, days ago, but it, it's 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 a nice starting five, decent bench. What are your thoughts on the
0: Milwaukee? I'm scared spots? of Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee is a threat, like a legit threat. And everyone at the beginning of the season was saying it's the Raptors, it's Philly, and it's Boston. Like those are the top three in the East, and you know, then there's a step down and there's like Indiana and Milwaukee. Well, no they're all wrong. Giannis has been playing unbelievable. Like you said, Bledsoe and Middleton are playing. Brogdon has been the most impressive for me because he's a player like I don't really like. <laughs> I hate to say it. Like any, any player but from really Virginia good. I just
2: don't like. it's like a disappeared defensive, unfun player to watch. I don't
0: know what stuff. it is, but he honestly is winning me over every night. And like they've beaten teams like like the Warriors, and I know Steph got injured that night, but they were still, like, they're still a very, very scary team. Any team with Giannis, and this is the last thing I was talking about with Craig, was I do think he's the MVP candidate this year for sure, like number one on the ballot, and potentially for the next, who knows, five years. So Milwaukee's a team that scares me as a Raptors fan, just because of their length, because of how much they can switch, and because of how Mike Budenholzer has them shooting threes this year. They're They're averaging 40-point-something threes a game, which is the second most in the league next to Houston. Houston can't hit them for for their life right now. Mm -hmm. The next closest is 36, a whole four three-pointers less. They're doing things completely different than they were last year. And you mentioned Bledsoe. I think anybody who comes in mid-season – has to acclimate themselves to sort of the system. This offseason, with a new coach, with everything, has the sort way of they think, constr- revamped them.
2: The way they constructed their roster is perfect for Giannis because he's still a liability as a shooter. He still can shoot outside of 10 feet officially. For sure. Make. But you'd be able the like, he, he, I think he's averaging the most buckets at the rim in the NBA right now, but also those outlet passes to the perimeter. Even having a guy like Brooke Lopez who can drain the open threes is paid huge dividends for this organization.
0: I think they're going to be certainly a buyer come trade deadline. I think they're going to be looking to add another active shooter um, and keep it going because, honestly, I think Milwaukee's starting to see their window is, is a lot closer than they thought it was last year.
2: All right, moving down the list, I got the Minnesota Timberwolves right now sitting at 12-12, fourth in the Northwest. The division. Derrick
0: Rose Minnesota Timberwolves?
2: You know what? He's been playing some incredible basketball. uh like 2008? 40, the guy's shooting, like what? Like 48, 49% from the three-point line? 50% from the field, uh, 18 points per game, four assists. Uh, Jimmy Butler's gone Terrible package return. Um, Ah, yeah, I think I disagree fully. Robert Covington. Robert Covington has been the
0: best player on Minnesota since the trade, and he's literally the only reason, in my mind, why their defensive efficiency is now number one in the league since the trade. Right, but I don't
2: think think it's going to be like a uh, Pacers-Thunder trade where you get a guy like Victor Oladipo who is a high second overall pick who wasn't in the right situation to really showcase his max potential. But no one foresaw that. I think what you see at a Robert Covington is he's giving you you 100 every given night, and he's a great complimentary piece to have in the team. But if he's a centerpiece of your return for a guy like Jimmy Butler, in my opinion, you're still getting 40 cents on the dollar.
0: To me, he's like he's a lot closer to Tobias Harris in my mind. Someone like Robert Covington, and right. therefore, I do think he's someone whose defense, specifically, like all defense. Can well, change a complete can completely change again. Must imagine they did get Dario Saric, right? Well, like, we're
2: talking about a guy that's you know utilizing every morsel of effort on a nightly basis. Let's talk about a guy who's completely fucking not trying at all. And I'm gonna say that Mr. Outright. Wiggins, Mr. Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins <laughs> is playing some of the Wiggins? worst basketball in the NBA. The guy is like earning like 28 million dollars a season for what 15 points per game at 37% from the field. Uh, you're talking about a guy in his fifth season in the NBA. I just, I, I, I used to give this guy so many excuses. I used to always give him like, like he, he's he's on the right situation. Maybe Jimmy Butler's bullying him. Maybe he's on a co- good uh, head coaching situation of Tom Thibodeau. The onus is on Andrew Wiggins now to get, become a superstar. And from what I can see at this point in his career, that guy is a bust as a first overall pick.
0: Yeah, he's he's a de- he's a player who's a deferrer. I guess is the easy way to put it. He he, he doesn't. He's like a Harrison Barnes in a way, but not even as good. No, no. (laughs) I hate to say it. Like, he can't – again, the defense is we've always known about the liabilities. I thought the same thing. I thought after Jimmy Butler left, you're going to see the real Andrew Wiggins. You're going to see him come out and be like that offensive, at least, kind of guy. It's – I hate to say it because he's Canadian, but, yeah, I I don't like anything about Andrew Wiggins' game right now. Mainly the effort, but at least the team is doing well. Do you think it's crazy – remember at the time – I think it was Glenn Taylor had that meeting with Andrew Wiggins and we all criticized him because he wanted wanted to have a meeting. Yeah. To say like, I want to make sure you're going to try if I give you a max contract. Do you think that Remember we were critical of him. Do you think it's that crazy now? Because honestly I look back on it and I'm like, I probably would have done the same thing with Andrew. Like I would have made the, I'd have been like, I need some sort of commitment from you, man, that you're going to actually try if I'm giving you this much money.
2: I, It's tough to say Like, uh, Regardless of the, the meeting the Didn't work Obviously <laughs> But he gotta give the guy the contract Former first overall pick Centerpiece of the Kevin Love trade
0: Or do you let another team waste their money on him I know at the It's t- not an at, easy thing to do At the time
2: do. I can rationalize re-signing him Right now, it's really, really depressing to see him play this way. It's very similar to what I saw to Vince Carter in his last season in Toronto. He does way. not look like he wants to be on the court. He doesn't look comfortable playing. He, he, he's a very individualistic player, not a good uh, t- teammate in general. He just does not look like the face of Canada basketball, the guy that I envisioned coming in the league and in that's 2016.
0: The, and you're right. And that's the... i oh, sorry, my 2013. Last, my last point about Wait, Wiggins 14? is that if he really cared about improving his game, getting better, uh, changing things up. Like, why wouldn't you play Canada basketball in the summer? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you be the face of Canada basketball? Why do you even feel
2: like you should be in a situation to not play for Canada basketball?
0: I really— This
2: isn't like a Steve Nash situation. This isn't isn't like a two-time MVP we're talking about. This is, like as Greg says, like an AU baby, like a child, a guy who just does not have the right frame of mind to be able to compete on a nightly basis, a guy who thinks it's all about sponsorships and individual statistical accolades opposed to team winning. He does not seem like a guy that's conducive to victory.
0: It's 2014. 2014. 2014. 2014.
2: Uh, moving down the list, New Orleans Pelicans, Christian, 12-13, and 13, currently third in the Southwest Division. Uh, what's your impression of this organization coming off the heels of a very impressive playoff performance, first-round sweep of the Portland Trail Trailblazers?
0: Uh, it's challenging in the West because they had a good start to this year, and I thought they were going to be the same team that we saw last year, to be perfectly honest with you. Since then, it's kind of gone a little bit downhill. I think Anthony Davis is probably number two in the league for, for the MVP votes right now because he's been playing. I'd say number three. Number three, who's number two for you? Joel Embiid. Okay, yeah. I mean, mean, you got to put Kyle Lowry somewhere or Kawhi up there because of our record, right? As well. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, no. I just think in general, like that. I've never really been a believer in the Pelicans. I know they went on that run last year. I know they were great. I just really don't think they'll be able to build enough around Anthony Davis to make him happy, even to stay, let alone. To win this like year, the
2: guys on the team are playing some great basketball. Drew Holliday is kind of continuing what he did in the playoffs last year. The season, Nikolai Meritich. it looks like an ideal sort of complimentary sidekick to Anthony Davis in the front court, of the three-point shooter. Julius Randle has been playing some very efficient, fantastic, he played basketball great last night. I saw his stat and line, and even my boy Etwan Moore has, you know, not the ideal small forward, a very little small six-foot-four to guard majority of threes in the NBA, but he has been playing. Good basketball, good outside shooter as well. Um, Alfred Payton has not looked great, in my opinion, at least. He yeah, hasn't really nothing. filled the Rojan Rondo role, but they don't necessarily need that guy. It's just they don't have like a proper secondary guy to put beside Anthony Davis. I know Drew Holiday is a max effort guy. He's currently averaging nine assists per game. Boreline all-star, but you're not going to win games of Drew Holiday as your secondary piece, nor are you going to win with a bench featuring guys like Darius Miller, Wesley Johnson, fucking Frank Jackson, et cetera.
0: Their their defense isn't great. Anthony Davis, when he's off the floor, their defense is awful um, for the most part. And this is a team that does well against the Raptors. I guess, like, Holiday's good. But look at their defensive rating in the league. They're 24th right now. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's something that you would imagine if they have the – arguably Defensive Player of the Year in Anthony Davis, either him or Gobert, that they would be better. And you'd imagine with Holiday and the Wings, like you mentioned Etwan Moore, they should be good. But I don't know. Like Their three-point percentage right now is, I think, 34 as a team. So that's bottom half of the league for Mm. sure. Their defensive efficiency is bottom five in the league. You can start to see why they're just, I guess they've sort of fallen off i if anything they have the potential to do i guess what i was saying about miami did earlier they can have a turnaround second half to the season they could do well they could turn it on i do believe in drew holiday i do believe that anthony davis can do well I, I, for me it's more about the future of them they've got to make sure that they make anthony davis happy this year so he sticks around like that's their only goal if well, i'm the pelicans which, it's making sure which isn't looking he's very happy which right exactly now. right now they are 11th right they're 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 not looking great so
2: all right, moving down the list, we got the New York Knicks currently 8 and 17, fourth in the Atlantic Division. Um, I'll briefly talk about them. They, I, I thought they, on paper, had a great draft. They uh, drafted Mitchell Robinson in the second round, took Kevin Knox, I believe, ninth. Kevin Knox is not playing very inspiring basketball right now, averaging 34% from the field. He's developing, though. He looks. I'll, I'll give him that. A guy who better. is not developing and doing the exact opposite of Aggressi is Frankie Smokes. Yeah. Um, 5.9 points per game. The guy's shooting like, what? 32% from the field. Um, he, he does look like a professional level uh I guess Defender Multiple guard defender But if you can't score If you can't shoot The ball in the basket If you're being outplayed By guys like Trey Burke And Emmanuel Mudiay In your second year Especially as a former Top 10 pick In a draft That many boasted As pretty deep Being picked over guys Like Dennis Smith Jr. And Donovan Mitchell yeah. uh, it Doesn't bode well For the New York Knicks um, There's not many Silver linings On this team I know I mentioned Burke and Moody Are playing alright I guess But these are not guys You can build around Mary Hozoni Experiment has not Worked out so far Tim Hart Hardaway Jr. does look good, but someone needs a score. I think when we are talking about the Knicks, we're thinking about the future Kyrie Irving, maybe. Maybe a little bit of Kevin Durant. Um, but right now, the Knicks are in basketball. Hell, at least they have a good head coach and David Fisdale. All right, moving down the list, Christian Graffin. Can you talk to me about the Oklahoma City Thunder, currently 15-7, and second in the Northwest Division?
0: There is some guy outside just yelling his brains off. Sorry about that. He, but he, he's a, he's a Oklahoma city thunder. Oh, enthusiast. Big Steve right, Adams guy. Right. right, there, right. right. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, okay. So he looks great. Um, again, like the Paul George decision and everything has been fantastic. He's, Easily, like again, his defense is so good. Paul George, he gets so many steals, he's so active. Um, Russ went down for a little bit. Dennis Schroeder stepped up. I thought, I think he's a really, really, really good piece to the team to be able to step Oh, that was, that was an incredible move. That was such a good move, honestly. Mm. Underrated to have someone to give Russ a break, I think. And I think Russ appreciates it. Well, especially coming though, in the season injured, right? Yeah, and not to mention, I think honestly, in the other seasons, Russ probably would be offended mm. by something like that because he'd be like, I'm the man. I think now he's starting to. Maybe appreciate the the break, and it's almost starting to see the well, it's overall like Reggie Jackson team plan. Was on the team
2: before, right? Yeah.
0: So I mean, again, I like OKC. I've always liked OKC. I, Greg loves loves OKC, but again, they've been thirteen and three since that little beginning, that shitty start that they had, um, and they've got a really, really, really good net rating. So on paper, statistically, like advanced statistically, this is a team that will be able to sustain all of this, and. It is off the back of the the three main players, like you said, with Steven Adams, who's I think the most underrated big man in the league, mm-hmm. and and Paul George and Russell Westbrook are really fucking good. You also
2: good. can't lose sight of the impact that Jeremy Grant's had the team, especially replacing Carmelo Anthony, you know, another versatile four.
0: Hard man uh, to replace Carmelo.
2: <laughs> the heart and soul type of an organization. Even Hamadou Diallo's played some pretty good basketball coming into college. That guy dropped the second round. I think many people had him in the top ten. Uh, he's look. He's looked pretty good even taking flyers on New Orleans Noel you know anything could happen always having a quick rim protector at the center position looks pretty good um, alright guys we're going to finish this up we got about ooh, let's say 10 more teams left uh, Graf and I are going to roll this out next week uh, we got our last quarter right now we're going to briefly discuss Canada's impressive win over Brazil yesterday officially clinching the its first spot in the FIBA World Cup in almost a decade um, obviously we didn't have any guys from the NBA for this round of qualifying. The majority of the guys came basically halfway around the world. Uh, big performance from kevin Wilshire. He had a game high 25 points to our 94 67 route of Brazil. Um, what's your impression of the team and who do you think is going to step up currently in the NBA when they do construct our roster? Is it a little bit of Jamal Murray action? Are we going to get some Corey Joseph, Shea Gillis Alexander? Don't want to bring up him.
0: She, Shea Gilders is going to be, I think, the future of of Canada basketball as well as obviously RJ Barrett when he becomes you know sort of there. I really like Trey Lyles too. Uh, like you mentioned, Kelly Olenek has been playing really well for them. I think he leads the team in rebounds overall. Mm-hmm. I guess my overall uh, viewpoint of this game is that especially with someone like um, Joel uh, Joel Anthony who's on the team seemingly for the last three decades (laughs) and honestly the guy like comes out and plays hard every single time um i love it because none of these guys if we do qualify are going to be on the final roster right like they're doing it for canada like really really for canada and uh you see a couple because i watch a lot of like cis basketball as well or U sport basketball and to see like the brothers that from carlton on the team like there's a lot of homegrown talent here especially right now in this FIBA level i think that's been fantastic Cadre gray like there's a lot of good really 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 good players we, we played well against Brazil um, I saw the highlights I can't honestly say I saw the full game but um, Kyle Wilshire I saw the highlights from him he's a killer
2: yeah it's a it's uh the 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 te- the Canadian basketball team for FIBA is in great hands. Uh, you know, obviously a guy like Roy Rana is really doing a fantastic job yep. coaching this team. You even look at the guy of CEO of Basketball Canada, Glenn Gunwald, even Wayne Parrish. Uh, this team is looking very promising. The program, most importantly, is looking very promising. And there's more prospects coming out of the pipeline, specifically guys like RJ Barrett. So there's a lot to be excited about when it comes to Canada basketball. It'd be
0: it'd be very interesting if we could, if we could maybe get some sort of an inside source to tell us more about Canada basketball, so we'll see if we can get something like that in the show. In the we
2: future. are a Canadian-based uh, podcast that talks about basketball, so it would be like nice to get a little bit of a Canadian representation. Here, all right, guys. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, this Sunday potentially, um, we'll do our we'll finish our recap of all teams in the NBA. Uh, we'll talk Raptors hoops in general. Thank you so much for tuning in. Sorry for the little bit of a two week break. Um, you can catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, etc. Guys, check out our Instagram handle. Graphin, what's our handle? It's at T Sport Matters t-sport matters check us out um thank you very much for tuning in and have yourself a fantastic week go raps go